Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What we talking about? Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics, loaded like offense, cold centric, talking about it often. Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Do it big, like lies for Welcome back to the uh, Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Damley. Uh, we are back again with another look at the NFL draft for the 2019 season. Indianapolis Colts obviously have some positions of need. We've talked about uh, those over the very, uh, past couple weeks. And uh, this past week, uh, just we talked about safeties uh, coming out of this 2019 class. Now we're going to talk about cornerbacks, another secondary position that we know that the Colts need uh, a little bit of a boost from, uh, if at anything at all, at least at some point in this offseason. But it looks like this class could be somebody or it could be a class in which the Colts are going to, you know, make a make a move on at some point in the draft. So, uh, Zach, welcome back to the show, my man. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Glad to be back on. Absolutely. So, we're about to get uh, some more knowledge dropped on us. I hope uh, as much as we were with the safeties, but let's just kind of talk about it like we did uh, with with the last crew. So, what is uh, this overall this cornerback class? What what are we uh, expecting from this group as a whole? Yeah, so for me, uh, compared to the safety class, safety class I think is overall fairly weak. Uh, this cornerback group, like there's a couple intriguing guys that'll go like day one or maybe even day, early day two, but uh, there's not really too many huge names, you know, like Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams. <laughs> Coffee. Uh, Byron Murphy and uh, Greedy Williams are like two top guys that we'll probably get to in a second, uh, but they both have their noticeable flaws. Uh, I think what you'll see a lot with this group is it's very deep. There's a lot of very intriguing guys, uh, a lot of slot nickel guys. Uh, but overall, it's it's a very intriguing deep group, but it's not really like this star-studded group. Like You're not going to have like a, a Lattimore or a Denzel Ward type guy come out of this group, I think. I think there's just going to be a lot of uh, solid corners, or a lot of developmental guys coming out of this class. Interesting, because now um, I heard it recently described as maybe not, um, maybe not heavy on the top end, but deeper than than maybe years in the past and, and i've heard uh, up maybe four four to six corners in the first round is that is that somewhere somewhat accurate by your by your thoughts four to six in the first would probably be a little bit much for me i think i could see like three or four yeah i could see like three or four going in the first uh other guys i, I don't really see going in the first uh but but overall yeah like again i think it's a it's a solid group so if, if four to six guys go in the first I think that there's enough guys like that who have the traits to be good in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So sure, they you know if they're first round picks and they have good coach. I think uh, they could definitely be good players in the NFL. I just I think probably more like three to four would be a good range for the first round. I think we'll see a lot in that second to third round range because there's a lot of guys with really intriguing uh, traits and tape out there. 
So let me ask you this, and not not about necessarily um, do you think the Colts will draft one in, in round X or Y, but do you think the Colts need a first or second round corner out of this group? Just in general, from what they've got on their roster right now, do you think they need a first-round corner out of this group? So I wouldn't necessarily say they need a first- or second-round guy because I actually believe in Quincy Wilson making that next step next year. I believe 100% in Kenny Moore. Kenny Kenny freaking Moore, the, the second right here. You got the shirt I completely on, believe in Kenny Moore. Yeah, it doesn't come off, actually. It's always underneath. You know, <laughs> It doesn't come off. <laughs> but, uh, no, I completely believe in those two guys. So – if Ballard says, hey, we can uh, get like a mid-tier free agent corner and roll with those two guys and then just draft like depth guys or upside guys, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, if Pierre Desir does leave in free agency, it does make that need a lot bigger. You know, like Agreed. they will definitely need to look at corner in the first or second round, like at least consider it if Desir leaves because they didn't have good depth at all last year at corner, you know, outside mm-hmm. those top three guys there wasn't really any contributors in that cornerback group outside of Kenny Moore, Quincy Wilson, and Pierre Desir. So mm-hmm. I think regardless, they're going to need to draft corners in this class. But if Desir leaves, it makes it a much bigger need than what it would be if they bring Desir back. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I have noticed uh, a little bit about this group is there's some length in this group. Um, and I think that that's beneficial for the Colts. You need a guy that can be – you know, we know what with this 4-3 Tampa 2-style scheme – what the Colts need out of them. They need good tacklers. They need guys who can be rangy, guys that can play primarily zone, but can also match up man-to-man, be strong at the line of scrimmage. But they need length to be able to, you know, when they are chasing and they are running uh, along the boundary, they need to be able to have guys who can deflect the ball and get, you know, make adjustments throughout their area in order to make plays on the ball. That's something that they've talked about the entire season these guys have to make plays whether they're in zone whether they're in man doesn't matter these guys have to be able to make plays so that's something that the Colts need and you see the length out of a good bit of this group maybe in the uh, I would say somewhere in the top 10 corners out of this group you see a couple or or several I say 6-2 even a couple 6-3 guys in here is though is are these guys with that uh, premier length are these the guys that are going to dominate this draft yeah, definitely, uh, and it's actually really good because uh, when I was doing my build about or build a Ballard series on the Colts mm-hmm. uh, for uh, the cornerback group, love that by the I, way. Yeah, I, I love doing it. It's it's all research based. It's no opinions. I love doing it. It's you know kind of go mind numb and just kind of research. But uh, something I noticed is uh, through his time with the Chiefs and with the Colts here, he's only drafted I believe one corner under thirty one inch arms. Mm. Uh, so he does value length uh, at least you know what we can uh, guess is that he values length in his corners. And, you know, from the scheme last year, you could really see that. Pierre Desir and Quincy Wilson, those are com- those are lengthy guys right there. Right. And they perform pretty well. Uh, this this group has a lot of lengthy guys. And outside of maybe Byron Murphy and Julian Love, who are kind of like smaller, quicker guys, mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of those top 10 corners that go, like, in this draft will be those big, lengthy guys, kind of in that, like, Seahawks mold. Uh, I know everyone calls them Seahawks mold because they love their step kick pre- uh, press technique, and you need to be lengthy for it. But... Uh, NFL is going more towards lengthy guys. So, uh, you know, you got some athletes that have length. Uh, even the guys who aren't athletic uh, know how to use their length. So it's going to be a very uh, big corner class for sure. A couple things real quick before we go any further. Talk about that press technique and talk about why that's so important with what the Colts do. 
Gotcha. Uh, so step kick, uh, I, I didn't really notice the Colts do it a whole lot because they didn't really do too much um, man coverage last year. It was a lot of zone coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the step kick is a is a press technique that is a little different from like the normal press technique. So a lot of people, uh, when they look at press, you think that you just want to mirror and match with how the receiver comes off the line of scrimmage, you know, kind of match their movements, move as they move, uh, which is easy for a guy like, you know, like a Byron Murphy in this class or a Julian Love, those kind of smaller, quicker corners. Uh, the Seahawks kind of took that in the, and Alabama does a great job of teaching this too. They kind of changed the press technique mold where you kind of have your set position at the line of scrimmage with your hips open to the middle. You kind of patiently wait for the receiver to come towards you. And then you kind of contact and force them off the route. So it's, it's a lot of using your length, uh, being patient and waiting for the receiver to kind of move into your arm length and then adjusting the route and moving after you've adjusted the route. Uh, it's it's definitely a better press technique, in my opinion. I know a lot of people, it's kind of like two different schools of thought with that. Right. Uh, you can watch YouTube videos on it, too, if, if my explanation is not uh, the, the best here without diagrams. But uh, it's very uh, length-heavy, strength-heavy, and very patient uh, press technique. And I think guys like Pierre Desir did a great job with it, especially against uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, when he was dominating guys like DeAndre Hopkins, he was physical with him at the line. He was punching off his off his uh, releases on the line of scrimmage, and that was really uh, playing into the Colts' favor. And another part of this, when we talked earlier, or a little bit earlier uh, at the top, we talked a little bit about how there's plenty of those nickel guys and, and some of those yes. slot corners in this draft. I mean, obviously, like as you mentioned earlier, it depends a little bit on and probably kind of heavily upon whether Desir stays and is resigned or if he's out in free agency. But wh- where do you see the largest need for the Colts in this regard? Do you see maybe them using Quincy a little more in the nickel like they were trying to towards the end of the season? Or is this something that you think was kind of a just a way to get him on the field and that that may be the way for the Colts to go to kind of try to find that nickel guy? They seem to like Kenny Moore out on the, on the on the edges or on the boundaries. So I think that they feel that they can play him anywhere. I just don't know if they feel like they can do that with Quincy right yet. Yeah, I think the, the overall plan is to get Quincy into that role, uh, which you – when you, when you watch how the Colts progressed towards later in the year, uh, when he first started playing again around the Dolphins game and I believe the Bills games, they, they brought him into the nickel. They brought him against tight ends, and they kind of used him as like a third safety, like a big safety type uh, player. Right. And right. then they started progressively getting him, um, you know, more and more like outside corner spots. Like against the Titans when he had that uh, really nice pick against Mariota, he, he logged a lot of snaps out there. On the, on the perimeter, and I think that they kind of want him to develop into that role, but I think they're comfortable using him in any way to until his development is up there. I think if they don't bring back Pierre Desir, I think their number one need in this draft is going to be getting an outside boundary corner. That gives them more flexibility to, you know, to bring Kenny Moore inside on on passing down plays, uh, to use Quincy Wilson on, on like more inside on, on rundown plays. You know, you can kind of have more scheme versatility if you bring an outside guy in. So I think they want to bring in another outside corner, uh, but, you know, they, they need depth. So if they bring in like three corners in this draft, even like it, it's not bad because they need a lot of depth at the cornerback position. Do you think Nate Harrison has a chance to kind of grow with this team or is this kind of maybe a year where he's on the roster bubble? You think? I think he's on the roster bubble for sure. Uh, you know, nothing's really a given when you're a fifth round pick. Uh, he had a really down year last year. He really didn't play much, uh, especially right. towards the end of the year. Uh, they they kind of phased him out completely, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this year is kind of make or break for him. If he has a strong camp and a strong preseason, I could definitely see him being the the team's fourth or fifth corner or or whatever. But uh, he definitely has the ability. He I just agree. had a really down year last year. Uh, injuries kind of derailed a little bit of what could have been a good year for him. 
it's it's all about bouncing back for him though, and I, I think he can. He definitely has the ability to. Uh, it's just you know, it's just bouncing back for him. I thought it was interesting that we saw Kenny Moore kind of take the role of Hairston from the year previous to that, where they used him to kind of blitz off the edge um, out of that slot spot. And I thought it was really interesting that you know we we're used to seeing a little bit larger guy in in Hairston being able to take on that role. Uh, ultimately, that's what you want, I think, from Nate. You want him to be able to do what he did his rookie season and and grow on that. And like you said, with a down year last year, this is it's kind of sketchy to see uh, or to figure what he's going to be to this team or what he may not be at all to this team. So um, in, in general, so you, you think uh, primarily that this really kind of relies on whether Desir comes back and or another free agent boundary corner? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think – Priority one should be figuring that out before they kind of get in their mindset, like who they're going to draft, what they want to target. Like they got to figure out, are we going to go into this draft with just two corners that we trust? Or are we going to bring in a couple free agents, maybe bring back a guy like this year uh, if he wants a, a lesser contract? Because I know his his stock is probably rising because he was one of the hottest names toward the end of the season mm-hmm. last year. Uh, so they have a lot of decisions to make a corner. Um, but currently, if they go in with these two guys, uh, corner should be a high priority going into this draft. Absolutely, which makes this draft so fun, so interesting. This offseason continues to uh, roll down the path of being interesting in just about every way imaginable. So uh, for those of you just listening and not on YouTube, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about this class a little more in depth with Zach Hicks. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, quick coffee break. Let's get back to it. Zach, talk to us about your top guy. Who is your number one right now out of this cornerback group? Yeah, so I think uh, my number one right now will be Byron Murphy. I know he's got the—he's a little bit small. Uh, he's not the best run defender because of that size, but he's got everything from a quickness, uh, competitive uh, standpoint. I mean, he competes at every single catch point. He makes a lot of plays on the ball. 
he is he's just an overall great corner and i think he might be a top 10 guy for me he's going to test out this world i think at the combine top 10 overall and, in the class yeah he might be a top 10 overall guy in the class for me uh, i really like him uh, i'm still trying to finalize the grades for him because i'm focusing more on safeties right now mm-hmm. uh but yeah he he brings it all from you know he's a playmaker he breaks on the balls perfectly uh he's physical even for his smaller size and and I think if, I mean, if he's a six foot guy, he's easily a uh, top 10 guy. It's just, you know, he's a little bit smaller. So some team might force him into the slot. They might not value him super high, but I mean, he, he has it all from, from athleticism and, and from ball skills, uh, competitiveness. Uh, he's going to be a really good corner in this league. I think. Let me ask you this. Is he, is he a guy that you might think that might even be beneficial for him to start in the slot as a rookie and let him get some of that weight up? Not so much. It's not so much of the height. I don't think. Uh, we, we've seen with other guys, and, and Kenny Moore is a, is a great example of that, where instincts, timing, and uh, the ability to track your not only your assignment but the ball uh, really makes all the difference in this league. And I just think he needs maybe, – maybe Murphy would need to get some of that weight up just a little bit. Um, and, and, it, and I don't want to present it as if slot is a less physical or uh, you know maybe the third step – in the cornerback rung it's every bit as important as either boundary slot i just think that that might suit him better if or i guess more or less i'm asking if you think that might suit him better as a rookie allow him to grow a little bit more bulky into that boundary corner because typically it seems that the boundary guys are going to be the ones who are coming up and kind of be that first wave outside the hash marks in the run game yeah uh certainly agree uh byron murphy does it is a weight issue with him, I think. Uh, you know, I think he's only like 180-something, mm-hmm. if that, honestly. I mean, we'll see at the combine here. He probably bulked up for the combine. Uh, but, yeah, the slot, slot position could be something that's beneficial for him, uh, especially because I like putting young corners in the slot position if I think they can handle it because it's way harder to play slot corner in the NFL than it is to play boundary corner. And right. the only reason I say that is you have so much field working against you when you're in the slot. You know, you have the whole middle of the field that you have to cover against – probably the quickest receiver on the other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to get DeAndre Hopkins in the slot. You're going to get like the quicker, you know, uh, Tyree Kill plays a lot in the slot when they bring him inside, you know, you're going to get the quicker, faster guys in that slot. Uh, so I, if he can handle it, I'm, I'm definitely cool with putting him in the slot and, and kind of having him grow from the slot and then maybe force him to the outside. But uh, from a evaluation standpoint, I think he can do either. If a team needs him to come into the slot right away, I think he can do that. I think he can start on the outside right away too because I, I do think he has it from an aggressive standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, and from the athletic standpoint. And, you know, he can contest every pass out there. So uh, whatever they want to do with him, I think Byron Murphy can excel in this league. Yeah, and it makes it it makes it interesting to think about where, where those slot guys have. I mean, they have so much trash to sift through on, on like intermediate crossing routes and so on and so forth. And like you said, you're going up against a speed demon. Uh, a lot of the time so that that's a very important position like I said I wasn't trying to downplay it because that is an extremely difficult position uh, to play slot corner is definitely I think a lot of people just assume slot corner is the third best corner on the on the roster and that's not ju- that's just not it they're just not the same position you know they're, no, they're, they're, I mean, they're starters now yeah right exactly yeah, they're starters they're uh, like you know, I think people played too much Madden growing up where Madden didn't have that <laughs> distinction. Right. You know, because Madden was always – whoever your third corner was was always your slot guy. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, in the NFL, a slot corner is a starting player in the NFL. You are a starting caliber corner in the NFL if you're playing slot. And, you know, last year, again, the Colts did a lot of three-corner sets. You know, it was a lot of Desir, 
Quincy Wilson and Kenny Moore on the field at the same time. Uh, your third corner, your slot corner is very valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing upwards of 65% nickel. So, I mean, it, it's, yeah. uh, you have to be starter caliber. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the guys that you've got underneath Murphy and, and why and, and how they um, how they translate and, and what positions they do. Yeah, so the next guy is probably Greedy Williams, even though I don't feel super confident about him right now. Uh, he going into the year, he had a lot of hype because he has the size, has the athleticism. Uh, he can mirror and match with any with any receiver, and he can move really well. Um, my only issues with him from a technique standpoint, he gets a little grabby at the top of the routes. Right. Uh, he doesn't really trust his speed a lot. He gets beat deep because he's very hesitant in his man coverage. So I think he's going to be a very uh, – like work in progress for from a technical standpoint. Uh, but if you want a corner that has every single trait to be a top guy, I mean, the sky is the limit with this guy. So if a team takes him in the top 10, I'm completely fine with it because I see what he can be. But right now he does need a little bit of work before he's that, like a team's number one corner. So let's talk about a guy who really intrigues me in this class. Um, and and it, it it's pretty basic, but it, it, he intrigues me strictly out of size. I want to know what this guy can actually bring because a lot of people are very high on him. Amani, um, man, I cannot say this dude's name for some reason. Oruar, <clears throat> I can't do it. Forget it. Straight out of Penn State, six foot two oh nine. What what is it about this guy that has him being loved so much? With I mean, like I said, he he's built like a safety, and they've got him in the top five, top six. A lot of people's, some others just barely in the top ten. Some out. But he, he is a guy who is um, – it's kind of a, a, you know, what kind of coffee do you like? You know what I mean? Very much uh, a, a all based on that, which is uh, the person who is, is grading him it can vary drastically. Yeah, he's probably a top four or five corner for me too. I, I really like this film. Uh, he's competitive, a uh, very, very good man corner. I think a lot of people are really loving him because of his man corner abilities. Uh, his footwork was a little inconsistent in Mobile, which kind of has given me a little bit of pause lately. Say his uh, name for me. No, I was I was letting you say it. Like <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought it up because I was not going to bring up his name because I can't say it. Oru Warai, Oru Man, I can't. Oru Warie. Oru Warie. Thank you, man. That's as good as I couldn't do that. Oru Warie. I think that's it. You guys have, oh, if you man. haven't seen how this cat spells his name, is O R U W A R I Y E, Aruwaraye, something of the sort. But okay, go I on. Sorry about that. I, w- I was legitimately hoping that you could say that and make it sound right because I couldn't. Yeah, Aru, where you are, I don't know. Dude, it, I just called him Amani O when we were down there in the senior bowl. So I think that's what I'm going to call him throughout this this whole process here but uh but yeah teams are really intrigued by his man coverage ability and and he's uh really competitive really physical like you said with his size and he can play that boundary corner position because of his size he can get physical with receivers he can support in the run game he's actually got pretty good ball skills and zone eyes in zone Uh, i think the only reason why he's kind of falling a little bit is uh down in mobile his press technique didn't look really refined like it did on film like on film it looked better than what it did down there he looked like he was taking a lot of false steps uh, a little uh didn't really trust his footwork or his process a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, I think he's a guy who might go late first, maybe early second, and he's going to make a team uh, very happy because I think uh, he has – the sky's the limit for him too. He can be a really good, uh, you know, even low-end cornerback one, maybe high-end cornerback two in in the NFL. Does he present anything that the Colts would want out of that position? 
Yeah, he's he's a lengthy guy. Uh, he's he's physical for sure. So I think he can come up and support in the run. And I think his his zone ability is being slept on because I think he's actually a pretty good zone corner. Uh, I know a lot of people are billing him as a man corner, but I think he can be a good zone corner as well. Uh, he probably does kind of fit a lot of that Pierre Desir mold where. This year is probably more of a man corner, but could play a little bit of zone as well. Mm -hmm. I think uh, he kind of fits that role a little bit. Probably not as good a run defender as Pierre Desir, as Pierre Desir was one of the better run defending corners in football last year. Uh, Amani O can probably fit a lot of that role, though. So who would you peg in this class as the best zone corner? Probably Julian Love, even though he's a smaller guy, uh, just because the way he comes up, uh, the way he breaks out of his zones coming forward, man, it's unreal. Like he is super fast coming forward out of his zones, and and I love seeing that. He he is just excellent ball skills. He he gets beat a little bit when he gets a little over aggressive. Uh, he kind of bites forward a little bit too much. But man, he, his ball skills are great. And then another guy though is DeAndre Baker, uh, who I'm a little lower on than most people, even though I'm a huge fan of him. Mm-hmm. I think his zone. I think he's a better zone corner than man corner, and I think that he he's going to be a really good zone corner for a team. And that's who I really peg the Colts as going after in the early second round because he fits them from a length perspective, competitive perspective. And honestly, I think he can be a really good zone corner because his eyes are great. He reads quarterbacks well, and he breaks on passes really well. Very interesting. And out of Georgia, you know he's seen plenty of it. So um, definitely a guy, not to mention Julian Love, a guy that you spoke about recently and at the top of the show. Um, Very interested that that a lot of these guys that you're talking about, that you're a fan of, aren't these 6'2 guys uh, per se. I mean, uh, Trayvon Mullen, 6'2", 190 plus. I mean, uh, even Greedy Williams, you said, you know, that you liked him, but, you know, he wa- you weren't quite as high on him as, as some others or uh, or whatever your explanation was, but it was more or less that, you, you know, you just felt he was too grabby, which is one of the major critiques on him coming through his entire uh, season this past year. So uh, talk about the guy, another guy who's being kind of slept on all in all, that you kind of feel is is just poised to make a team and be that guy that everybody's talking about next year. Yeah, there, there's definitely a few guys I really like. Uh, two former receivers who are converted to corner. I'm looking at my notes right here on them. Uh, Isaiah Johnson out of Houston went down to the Senior Bowl. wasn't the best at the Senior Bowl, but I think the big reason for that, and you know, I talk about mirror and match and step kick a lot, is he was trying to show off his mirror and match press ability down there, which is something he's never done. He was seeing if he could do it in the one-on-one drills, and he really struggled. So his reps looked worse than what he really was. Uh, but overall, man, he's he's got ball skills because he was a former receiver, uh, very athletic, and he's like a, a lengthy 6'2", 6'3", type of guy uh, with really long arms. I think I think his arms were like 33, I believe. So wow. really lengthy guy. Yeah, I think he was like 33, maybe high 32s down the senior bowl. I don't have the exact measurements. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's a good corner, very competitive guy. And then uh, Justin Lane from Michigan State is another guy, uh, very competitive at the catch point, uh, pass breakup machine. He, he's a little struggles in his uh, in his transitions and his back pedal because he's just raw to the position because he's a former receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a guy who, again, can break on passes, can compete at the catch point, can cover your number one receivers. Uh, those two guys, are they're going to be a little bit raw. They're going to be mid-round guys, but they can develop into good corners in this league. So let's talk about some of the some of the kind of the, the small school guys here real quick because this always interests me. There always seems to be a small school guy that and I don't mean every year, but there always seems to be a small school guy that eventually we hear about and you see the school and it's like what the hell? Why you know? How do you get a guy like that that can be so good against top end talent that has not played necessarily against the top end talent? A uh, guy like uh, Jimmy Moreland out of James Madison kind of fits that 5'11", 180 range. 
you know, uh, a Corey Ballantyne out of Washburn, even Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan, uh, Blaise Brown out of Troy. Any of these guys really pique your interest at all? Yeah, a lot of those guys do. Uh, Jimmy Moreland is going to be one competitive dude in the NFL. Like, he, he came into the Senior Bowl week, like, halfway through the week, and nobody really knew he got there. Like, he, he showed up for, I believe, day two of practice, which we weren't able to access until after practice. Mm-hmm. So we only really got to see him on the field in day three of practice, and he's out there making plays like he was one of the better cornerbacks in the group. He, he's so competitive, and I know guys were raving about him in the Shrine week. I know guys were raving about him in the Senior Bowl week. He's going to be a good corner in this league. Um, another guy you mentioned was Ballantyne. I, I haven't seen much of his film because who's really seen Washburn film? I don't really have <laughs> right. any on me. But he came down <laughs> to Senior Bowl week, and he really turned some heads. He's he's an athletic guy. He's really competitive at the catch point, long arms too. Uh, I think he's going to be a good player in the NFL too. Like a lot of these guys, they're they're you know smaller names, but they they could be you know pretty good in this league. Like Sean Bunting too. Uh, who I'm excited to uh, say I'm going to interview him in a couple weeks here after mm-hmm. the combine. He has all the ability to be a number one corner in this league. He's got a lot of upside. He just didn't really get the proper. I don't want to say he, didn't, he got poor coaching at Central Michigan, but he didn't get like NFL coaching at Central Michigan because he's a small school guy. So he, if he, you know, gets proper coaching from a good DB coach, he could be a good player in this league. And I think that's the key with a lot of these guys. They're competitive guys. They show a lot on film like in that area and they're in their athletic. So if you see an athletic guy who's competitive, who will stick his nose in the run game, you see, okay, we can develop this into a, a good corner in this league. And the Colts really showed that with Pierre Desir and Kenny Moore. Those are two guys from really small schools who are, you know, above average NFL corners, if not, you know, really good NFL corners. It, right. And all it takes is uh, getting them in a good DB room with a good DB coach. So what, what, what's kind of the, you know, the, you, the build your own corner type, Who's the guy in here that you think presents uh, probably the, I mean, in regardless of, of whether it's, uh, you know, a, a first round talent, a possible second round guy, or even later on in the draft, who's the guy out of this class that you think kind of fits the mold of whether it takes a year to really get it out of them or, or that's a, an immediate impact type guy, but fits the mold of everything that they need. They need the guy who can play in those zones and, and break on the ball and make plays. They need the guy who can come up in the run game. They need the guy who can ma- take his man deep along the rail and be able to make a play, help that safety out to where he's not ha- he doesn't have to be the guy to make the play. Who's the guy that fits that mold the most to you out of this group? Yeah, I, I think it's DeAndre Baker. I, I think DeAndre Baker fits the Colts in almost every way that they kind of view their corners. You know, they don't need their corners to be these elite athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Quincy Wilson. Quincy Wilson's not that great of an athlete. He he struggles in his transitions. He's not that fast overall in his 40, but the scheme does a lot to hide guys with like that. And I think that's Baker's only real flaw is he doesn't really have that deep speed to, you know, stay with receivers all the way down the field. But that's why you have guys like Malik Cooker on the back end to kind of cover your butts and stuff like that. Uh, Baker is an uber competitive guy. Very lengthy for his, uh, you know, for his frame. I think he's only like a 5'10", 5'11 guy, but he has the length of like a 6'2 guy. Uh, so he's very lengthy. Uh, he makes a ton of plays. He was a Thorpe Award winner last year, so obviously he made a ton of plays in his college career. Mm-hmm. And he's going to stick his nose in the run game. He's going to run his mouth, stick his nose in the run game. I think from a effort, from a competitive standpoint, from a uh, playmaking standpoint, John Joe Baker is a great fit for this Colts team. And I, I do think he legitimately falls to the early second round range because I don't think his 40 is going to be great. 
Mm-hmm. And teams statistically, like, you know, if you look at the last couple of years, they don't like taking uh, quote unquote slower corners in the first round. So if he runs in that four fives range, maybe even like a low four six, which I hope he doesn't run that, but you know, it could be a low four six. I think he'll be sitting right there for the Colts on day two. And that's a guy who Ballard could fall in love with because again, high energy guy, high character guy, playmaker. I mean, if it's a lot of what the Colts like on their defense. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even, I mean, not typically out of corners, you want that long speed, you know, and, and wide receivers and so on and so forth. But with the Colts scheme, is there a chance that maybe they're looking a little higher at that 10 yard split at the cones and at the, maybe the short shuttles in terms of where they want those guys for the short period explosiveness? Yeah, I think that's more of uh because again, the, the Colts run a scheme that not much of the NFL runs. They run a Tampa two heavy scheme, like, rarely any of the NFL runs that scheme. Right. Uh, and they rely a lot on Malik Hooker covering a lot of ground in the back end and whoever their other safety is going to be. Uh, they rely a lot of, like, you know, those guys kind of making up for the cornerback deficiencies. So I think if, you know, if he runs good splits, if he runs, if he's quick player, I think that's more value to the team than a long speed guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I just, I mean, cause typically you, you, you see the guys that are doing the, the three cone and, and those are, that's what you want out of your pass rushers. You know, you want the pass rushers to be the guys who are really good at the cone drill. You know what I mean? That can really make sure that they are hitting those corners. You know, that then that's ultimately what you're looking from there. But I feel like the Colts would be looking at that uh, at a couple different defensive positions in order to really get what they want out of guys uh, finding that instinctive nature and finding the ability to break. So uh, I'm curious about that. Give us, uh, before we get out of here, Zach, I appreciate you being on again, man. I love getting all this information from you because this is stuff that we can retain and and our listeners and our viewers can retain going into the draft and they're starting to look up other guys and and kind of figure out who they like, who they don't like uh, for the Colts in the first couple, three rounds. Who's, Who's one of the most overrated guys and who's your most underrated guy in this class out of the corner bunch? Yeah, so uh, overrated again. I'll probably just say greedy. Uh, not because I think he's a poor player, and I definitely could. I would definitely take him first round. I just think the top ten love or even the top five love is probably a little much, unless you fully trust your defensive back coach. Uh, I mean, he, he's going to be a risk because he can. He does have high bust potential because his technique is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he he could be a good player. It's just I think the top ten, top five love is maybe a little bit overrated for him. And I want to say this guy for underrated because I think. Yeah, he's so good. <laughs> Ugo, Ugo Amadi out of Oregon. If you guys have uh, any time to look up this guy, 5'9", maybe like 180 at best. Uh, looks a lot like Kenny Moore on film. And you guys know uh, Kenny <laughs> Kenny freaking Moore. Uh, that's my guy. But if you watch him, he's he's insanely quick out of his breaks. He's, he can switch between safety and cornerback. Plays a lot of slot corner. Uh, big hitter for a little guy too, just like Kenny Moore. I mean, watch this guy's film and fall in love with him like I did. Uh, he he's really good. So look out Ugo Amadi. I think he's going to be a player who will actually probably go higher than a lot of people think. And he's going to be a real player in this league. So check out Ugo Amadi. I think he's a, he's a really good player. He a boundary type guy, or is he more of a nickel guy? You think right away? Uh, probably depends on the scheme, but I think he's going to be more of a, a nickel, like, like who can switch between safety, maybe like a, like Demonte Kazee for uh, the mm. Falcons this past year as well. Uh, a little bit similar to that role. And yeah, him, him, uh, Kenny Moore, those are good uh, comparisons for him. I think he can, He's a lot of positional flexibility, nice. uh, but he, he's sticky in coverage. He's quick. He he can rush the passer. He can blow up screens. He, I mean, he, he does it all. So just, just check out his film. Fall in love. He's great. Very good. Zach, you've given us a ton of information here on this cornerback class for the 2019 NFL Draft. 
Uh, folks, make sure you guys are going out and following Zach. Zach, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, so it's at Zach Hicks too. Uh, I've had a couple bad takes recently, so please attack <laughs> me for them. Apparently, I hate Fight Club. I don't like coffee. Oh, and I don't like Seinfeld either. I don't like Seinfeld. Oh, I'm, so with, that, I'm, I'm with you on that, dude. It's boring. I hate every character on the show. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, could, I can watch it. It, it, I just don't see it a cult classic like a lot of people do. I, eh. Yeah, it's and a- especially it hurts that the one dude's like a really bad racist in real life. <laughs> that never <laughs> like Kramer, that Kramer never dude or whatever. That just certainly never helps, does it? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, folks, thank you guys for hanging out with us again tonight. Uh, we're going to continue to do these. We're going to get as many out of Zach as we can. Uh, he puts in the work. We appreciate his information. We enjoy his insight. So we're going to bring him on uh, for any of the positions he wants to do. We're also going to get some other folks in here to get uh, some positions that we want to talk about uh, for the Colts. Because, look, the Colts have several needs in terms of specific positions, but they don't have a ton right now. Uh, they, they've got a, a, an entire offseason to do a little bit through free agency, uh, re-sign some guys, and then really kind of have a fun draft, I think. And this is what makes this 2019 class so fun. Um, it's a different group. We're not seeing the the elite in terms of like the quarterbacks and, and such like that. So you're going to see probably, I'm just opinion my opinion, you might see a trade or two on draft day to guys trying to get into the top five, maybe to get one of those two uh, guys that people really like in terms of quarterbacks. But it really feels like the rest of this class is uh, driven defensive line and you know cornerback. Um, I, I think wide receiver, and it really seems like you get a nice mix of every position after that, and it really kind of seems like a fun group, and especially when you see what the Colts need and how they need to build up on their uh, roster this year, I really feel like this could be one of Chris Bauer's low-key, low most important drafts with a class like this. What are, what are your thoughts on that real quick, Zach? Oh, yeah, certainly. No, this draft, I don't want to say make or break because that's definitely too uh... – too dramatic, right. uh, you know, for this class, but uh, it's definitely a big draft class. You know, they're they're ahead of schedule with the rebuild. Mm-hmm. They found two All Pro rookies last year. Uh, now the big thing is just filling holes, uh, finding more talent in this next draft. And if he, you know, hits another home run or even a, a triple, because last year was definitely a, a grand slam of a class. If you you can hit a triple with this class, or you know anything with this class here, you're going to be building a not only a good team but a really good young team with you know an elite quarterback so having all that is is hard to say you're not a Super Bowl contender if you hit big on another draft class so this class is going to be big and uh you know we have no reason not to trust Ballard at this point so I I fully uh trust what he's going to do and I think that he can build this team from uh a playoff contender a playoff team to a Super Bowl contender I agree and I think we're really kind of waiting to see if that 2017 class can really kind of blossom uh that would just make everything significantly better uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, you get Hooker and everybody else on, uh, you know, on the same page along with these last two draft classes. Uh, it would just be a blast to watch this this young group really kind of blossom and turn this roster into something special going into the season. So uh, make sure you guys, again, are following Zach on uh, Twitter. You can get me on Twitter, at SB. Make sure you guys are going to Stampede Blue for all your Indianapolis Colts news and analysis. 
Uh, we'll be back here in the next couple days. We're going to do another show. I can't give you the position yet because we haven't talked about it yet. So, but we are going to hook that up and uh, get you guys as much information as we can. Also, make sure you guys are keeping your eye out here in the next month or so for the Stampede Blue uh, Draft Guide. It's going to be the same good stuff that we put out last year. I think you guys really enjoy that. I know we enjoyed doing it. It's going to be cheaper this year even. So, I mean, it's going to be a little bit more, uh, uh, a little easier on your pocket for sure. So make sure you guys are keeping your eyes open for that. And uh, just in general, make sure you guys are having a great time going through all of this draft information that you guys are going to be getting in the next several weeks. You've got the combine coming up, and then it just goes crazy with, uh, with uh, you know, mock drafts and everything else. It's going to be a great time of year, uh, especially if you're a Colts fan. And you see that what, what through the first three rounds, the Colts are drafting every 22 picks on average. What, they got five or six in the uh, first 130 uh, picks, I think? Yeah, I Five. believe so. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's going to be a fun draft, guys. And you never know what Ballard's going to do. So, uh, folks, I'm Matt Danley. He's Zach Hicks. We'll talk to you guys next time right here on the Colts Cast. Stampede Blue.